0: This Advent season, we started a new series, and in this series, we are looking at the many different people present at the Nativity of Jesus Christ. Last week, we started this series on Joseph. We looked at the person of Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, and we unpacked who is this person who there is so little written about in Scripture, so little that can be found in the Gospels. And yet, in that short passage, we see such a rich human, such a person that could be an example to all of us. And one of the main things we focused on in that passage is how it says that Joseph was a just man. And we unpacked how that word just could mean lawful, one that follows the, the rule of the law laid out by God, one that is, by all intents and purposes, considered righteous. And how throughout all of Scripture there have been so few people that have received the title of righteous one. In fact, there were only ten. In all of Scripture where we can actually see where it says that was a righteous person. And Joseph was one of them. He was a just man. But what's interesting is as we unpacked that passage, what we came to see is that usually you would think that a righteous person was one that attended to the letter of the law of God perfectly. Every command perfectly written out but we came to see and understand that it is so much more than simply following the letter of the law, it's following God himself. Because if Joseph was to follow the letter of the law, it would have meant to have shamed Mary for becoming pregnant to one that was not him, her husband. It would have meant that she should have been called out and sent to the gates of the city and stoned before everybody. And yet, the passage reveals to us that Joseph did not want to shame Mary. And we unpacked how what it meant to be a just man, how to, to be one that was righteous and according to God, to be one that followed God meant to be full of mercy and compassion. How Joseph was a man filled with compassion for Mary and had mercy on her. And then as we unpack that passage more, we then have revealed to us that Jesus was to be born to her, the son of God. And there is no person in all of history who is more compassionate or more merciful than he and how in that passage, there is this contrast between Joseph, the just man, and Jesus, the just one who came to save sinners. Or as Joseph was just, Jesus's purpose was for the sinful. And so we wait in expectation of this Advent season, the hope of Christ come the merciful and compassionate one to save us from our sins. And now today we open again, but this time to Luke chapter one. And we're going to be looking at verses 26 through 38. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open to Luke chapter one. And we'll be looking at the person of Mary today. We're going to look at, Who Mary is and the kind of person that is an exhibit of godliness. An an exhibit of who God is calling us to be in our walk with him. what it looks like to submit to the Lord as God. And so, we will go ahead and read this passage together in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Those that I see trying to look in the passage, it's chapter two, not chapter one. And so here we are. We're in 32. the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived also a son. And this is the sixth month of her with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word, to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, as we come to you this morning in the hearing of your Holy Scripture, God, I pray that our hearts would be moved and open to the workings that you are doing in our lives as we hear how you moved and worked in the life of Mary, how you blessed her, and so, Lord, how you have blessed us. God, let us hear your word and be convinced and convicted of the goodness and your faithfulness to us in this season as we wait in holy expectation but also holy reflection of who you are and in the work of your son Jesus Christ may you be magnified and glorified in your word this morning it's in Jesus name we pray amen amen Well, this morning, as you open this passage and you see here, the very first thing we see is that in the sixth month, and that's talking about the sixth month in which Elizabeth was pregnant, not the sixth month of the year, but the sixth month in which Elizabeth, the sister of Mary, was pregnant with John the Baptist, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And so what we see is this contrast from the previous verses about how Gabriel was sent to the city of Jerusalem, one city full of wealth, full of of lots of people that had lots of means, and now the angel Gabriel is sent to the city of Nazareth, one that we have discussed before in here was one that was off the map, off the beaten path, one that was impoverished, full of Poor people, one that people looked down upon. And yet, it was in this town of Nazareth that God sent his angel to bring good news and blessing to one woman. And what's even more amazing is how God, in his faithfulness, looks at these two women in these two places and works a miracle in both of them. One who was barren, old and advanced in age, and yet was able to conceive. And to the Virgin Mary, who by all intents and purposes should not have been able to conceive. But God the Father makes no distinction in whom he chooses. chooses and in the manner in which he chooses to bless them. You see, here's one of the things that I want us to understand as we walk through this Advent season is that I think many of us end up coming to Father God and thinking that the Father only blesses those that have somehow made a name for themselves or in some way have been perfect, have been working hard in their faith, somehow they're the the greatest prayer warriors, they spend the most amount of time in prayer, how they're serving the church with all their heart, how they're the doers or the worker bees, they're the people that we see the most. And somehow, I think oftentimes when we approach Father God, we think that God only blesses those who work for God's blessing. But when we read this passage, there's nothing in here. When Gabriel comes to Mary and says to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. At no point does it make a distinction about the kind of person Mary is, as to why God chose to bless her. It is simply that Father God blesses his children. I think oftentimes we come with the mentality that certainly God could never bless me or that we live in this state of believing that God doesn't bless us. That somehow God the Father has denied us blessing and we easily look at other people around us and think how they're more blessed than I. I think that's a very easy trap for us to fall into and especially during... This Christmas season, when some of us are suffering pain from maybe losses we've experienced, griefs that we've shared. We might look at one family and think, oh, look at the joy, they're so blessed. And think that somehow we too have not been blessed. But Matthew 7, 11 reassures us, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your father who is in heaven good give things good give give good things to those who ask him You see God in his personhood in his fullness is good and is faithful and is trustworthy And so when we hear passages like this, we have to remember that God is good and faithful and trustworthy. And that as God, he wants to bless his children. His default is to bless his children, is to love his children, to pour out his blessing upon them. And if there's one thing, one thing that all Advent teaches us, shows us, reveals to us clearly and plainly, is that in the incarnation, in God becoming flesh, in the birth of Jesus Christ, he more than anything has poured out abundant and undeserved blessing for us all. If there's one thing that we can grasp From this message this morning, it's this, that that Jesus is the good gift for every single one of us. If you think you are not blessed, know that you are because Jesus was the greatest gift that could have ever been given to any of us. It is in Jesus and Jesus alone that we have access to God, the Father, the Creator, the Almighty One, the Omnipotent One, the Omniscient One. Jesus is the greatest gift, and therefore that gift is the greatest blessing that I or you could ever receive in our lives. And if we can walk away from this morning just knowing that about Jesus and about Father God and His heart toward us, then we've walked away with enough. We've walked away with enough. But more than that, Father God is willing to bless you even beyond giving you the greatest gift in Jesus Christ. The fact is that we just rarely believe that he is good enough to bless us. We fail to see the goodness of his blessings in our life because quite frankly, we aren't really looking for it in our lives. We aren't looking to see how God the Father is so willing and eager to bless each and every one of us. He wants to do it. It's his desire. But I also want to look at Mary and see how it is that she receives this blessing this morning. How is it that Mary hears this blessing from God and how does she respond to it? Because I think that the way she responds to it is the way that all of us should be responding to blessing in our lives. And yet, oftentimes we have the mentality of, well, I don't want to receive blessing or I don't see how I am being blessed in my life. And yet, I think God is constantly trying to bless us if we're just willing to see how blessing is coming. But I think one of the first things that we have to acknowledge is how Mary responds to the angel letting her know you are blessed among all others. It's that she never lets this blessing go to her head. And what I mean by that is, let's read this passage in 28. It says, And Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she, Mary, was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. You see, upon hearing from the angel of the Lord, Mary is troubled and she's discerning. There's a, another way to translate this would be that, to say that she was surprised and curious. She was surprised and curious at why an angel appeared to her, a woman, which would almost be unheard of, and yet here an angel of the Lord appears to her, and Mary is like, oh, well, this is different. An angel has come and said that I am blessed, and that the father favored her and wanted to bless her. And so here's the thing. One, we need to live in expectation. That was the the first kind of point of this. We need to live in the expectation that God's desire and heart towards us is to bless us. First and foremost with his son, Jesus. And then also to pour out many blessings upon us beyond that. But not necessarily more than that. There is nothing more than Jesus, but he wants to bless us beyond just Jesus. And here's the so living in that expectation, though, means that we shouldn't live with a full head thinking I am greater than everybody else because I am so blessed. Right. I think it's really easy for some people to live into the many things that God has blessed them with and then parade it around like they are somehow better than anyone else for receiving the blessing of God in their life. When we just learned there is nothing that merits God's blessing in our life. It is that God willingly chooses whom he blesses and how he wants to bless them. For Mary's sister Elizabeth, it was by opening her barren womb that she might bear a child. And for Mary, it was that she, as a virgin, would bear a child. And not just any child, but the Son of God. They're distinct in the way in which they are blessings. But they are blessings nonetheless. And even Mary, hearing that she would receive the greatest blessing of all, stands here surprised and curious at what is going on she doesn't think more highly of herself to have a theophany an appearance of an angel of the lord in order to speak to her about her blessing from god instead she she discerns she steps into a mode of discernment okay lord i hear what you are saying now let's now help me process this I think, too, oftentimes we can, in the midst of blessing, move past it so quickly that we forget to acknowledge what it is that God is trying to do in our lives. Or we let the blessing pass us by because we don't want to sit and believe that maybe God wants to bless us in that way. I think it shows great humility in Mary to not be so quick in judgment of what was said to her but to step into a place of humility and questioning about, okay, how is God going to bless me? I want us to follow this train of thought because for Mary, she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And so we have to be willing to discern in faith what it is that God has laid before us what it is that God is doing in the midst of us. Oftentimes, I think that when blessing comes, we are not really paying attention to it. We aren't discerning what it is that God is doing. And I'll come back to that point a little bit later, but there's so much more to what discernment has in blessing than simply not moving too quickly beyond what it is that God is doing in our lives. And so then the angel continues with what kind of blessing that Mary should receive, that she should conceive as a virgin and bear the Son of God. And here's Mary's response, and I love Mary's response to the angel. And then Mary says to the angel, "Angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? In my opinion, this might be one of the most powerful questions asked in all of Scripture. I want you to notice that the question that Mary is asking the angel is not one asking how it can be possible or telling the angel that it is not possible because she is a virgin. That's not what her question is. Her question is not like the questions that Moses asked of God when he said, I am slow of speech. I can't go and tell the Pharaoh to let your people go. It is not like Saul who, when he was being anointed to be the king of Israel, in his insecurity said, how can this be? Because I am of the tribe of Benjamin. I cannot be a king. This is not like the prophet Jeremiah who when God said you will go to the nations and Jeremiah said but they will despise me because of my youth. This is not like the prophet Isaiah who questioned God when he wanted to be sent to the nations and Isaiah said how can I go because I'm a man of unclean lips. This isn't a question about what God is capable of doing. It is, as I like to call it, a holy curiosity. Mary is curious. Again, going back to where she said that she was greatly troubled and discerning, it's a holy curiosity about this thing that God is about to do. It would be more in line With David's response as a shepherd boy. When Samuel arrived to him to anoint him as the next king of Israel. And David never questioned it. He fully received it and believed that God would do what he said he would. Didn't know how he was going to do it. Didn't know how he was going to get to the place of king when Saul was already king. But David believed that it would happen. And so Mary in hearing this didn't ask how is it possible? She just asks, okay, how are you going to do it? God, how are you going to do it? Since I'm a virgin, how are you going to give me this child? It's a holy curiosity about what God can do. And I love that. I love that Part of seeing the blessing of God in our lives is about having a holy curiosity about how God is going to move and work in our lives. Not that he is going to bless us. Not questioning whether or not God is good. But asking God, how are you going to do this thing that you said you will do for me in my life? I have that same holy curiosity when it comes to God's blessing and working in our congregation, in this humble church that we have, where we are believing big things about what God is going to do in us and through us and among us for our community and for the people of Griffin. I sit here living with this holy curiosity, not God, are you going to do it? But God, how are you going to do it? Each and every one of us in this church should be living with that holy curiosity about how God is capable, not just capable, but willing and wanting and desiring to bless us by bringing revival in our church. And the question we should not be asking ourselves together is, God... Can you do it? It is God. How are you going to do it with us? How are you going to bring about revival at first praise, Griffin? How are you going to stir our hearts? God, give us a holy curiosity. God, I want to know how you're going to work in us and through us for your kingdom. Because I know that your will and your blessing is to do it. And so Mary, she heard the blessing and she received it, but she wanted to know more. She wanted to know how. And here's the thing, holy curiosity ends up leading to you wanting to treasure those blessings in your heart, which leads to a life of living gratitude. Luke chapter 2, verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Luke 2, 51, And he went down with them, that's Jesus, and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them, his parents. And his mother, Mary, treasured up all these things in her heart. In both instances, Mary is seeing something that is happening, whether it's the shepherds who came to worship Jesus in the manger or whether it is finding her son Jesus Jesus, attending to the temple and learning things about his father who is in heaven. And in both instances, what does she do? She treasures these things and she ponders them. She reflects on them. She wonders about them in her heart. You see, here's the thing. Mary could not necessarily fully comprehend how it is that she was being blessed. And that's the thing about blessing is sometimes in the moment, we can't see how the things that we're experiencing are blessings for us. But we have to remember, as I've said up here time and time again, we have to remember that the Lord works good. For those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Which means everything that happens in your life is for your good. Which means everything that happens in your life is for your blessing. And so Mary in every instance would treasure these things in her heart. And she would live with a life of gratitude for God for giving her these blessings. Even in the midst of that moment where where Mary finds out that she is going to be pregnant, not by her husband, but by the Holy Spirit, which means she's willing to accept a blessing, a blessing from God that in many instances would cause her to be ridiculed, ostracized, marginalized, kicked out of her family, kicked out of her home, removed from the presence of her friends. Hearing that blessing Probably didn't sound like much of a blessing when she heard it. And yet, Mary had a holy curiosity. Lord, I believe that this is a blessing from you. How are you going to do it? What is it going to look like? When you do it, what is this thing? And she started to treasure those things in her heart and live in a life of gratitude. I think for us, we we often don't live as grateful as we should about the things that God has done in our life and that he is doing in our lives. How we would not take every single thing that happens as blessing, but we start to believe that they are curses. But God isn't in the business of curses. And he's certainly not in the business of it for his children and toward them. He wants to pour out blessing. And so In this Advent season, we're in this season of expectation. And yet that also means that we are in a season of reflection because our season of expectation is of the Christ child that is to come. And yet the Christ child already came, so really it is reflection on the expectation that has already occurred. The ultimate blessing in Christ and being able to reflect and put in treasure in our hearts that which Jesus has already accomplished. And be able to see it as the greatest blessing of all. I'm going to finish with this. For there will be nothing impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You see, the angel responded to Mary's question. How will this blessing become possible? Because I believe it, but I want to know more. And here's the thing, we know that it was not out of faithlessness that she asked the question because the angel does not rebuke her for the question. She didn't ask in faithlessness, she asked full of faith in the expectation of the blessing that she would receive. And the angel confirms to her what she clearly already knows, that nothing will be impossible for God. This young virgin girl betrothed to her husband, Joseph, knows that God is capable and possible of all things. And I have to constantly examine myself and my challenge for you is to examine yourself is where in our Christian lives are we not believing that God can do the impossible? I mean, honestly, we are pretty fickle in the way that we go back and forth between what God is capable of doing and what we feel God is not capable of doing. There are so many instances in my own life, even recently I've told you many times about one of the relationships, closest relationships in my life and how it's been kind of crumbling and falling apart and yet... I have believed or I've felt like the Lord has said, like, I'm going to restore it to something better than it once was. But along that route, I kept believing, certainly not. God, you cannot restore this. You cannot fix this friendship. There will be no chance of reconciliation. And yet, as I'm reading this passage, I'm convicted and convinced that God is capable of all possible things and capable of every impossible thing. And so as we look at this passage today, let us be reminded of who Mary is and how she, in her willingness to receive whatever blessing may come, was giving herself to full submission to God the Father for that blessing. It might not have gone as she planned or had hoped, her life would go, to be a pregnant teenager, out of wedlock, and yet it was the blessing that God gave her. And it was in an unexpected way, but it was as holy as it could have been. And so here's the question we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to risk blessing in our lives? Are we willing to risk allowing God to tell us how He wants to bless us, even if it might look painful for us down the road? Because sometimes blessing disguises itself as a curse. Sometimes we need to live with discernment, or we do need to live with discernment, with a holy curiosity and a submission to God. And only then can we distinguish and give thanks to God for the many blessings that he's pouring out onto us, those whom he has chosen. The greatest blessing for the entire world disguised itself as a curse as the son of God was nailed to a tree and died. But in three days time, he would rise again and live and that he would exchange our sinfulness for his righteousness. That's the greatest blessing that we could receive. Do we believe it in this Advent season? My prayer is we do. Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for the way in which that you're moving and working in our lives and how we see your daughter Mary as an example of what it looks like to receive blessing even when it looks difficult, even when it looks hard, what it looks like to submit to God and receive all that it is that you want to give to us, and even more so how we are able to live out this calling with a holy curiosity, knowing, God, that you are capable of every impossible thing. So, God, how will you do it? And how will you do it among us in this church today?